The way that I see the role as a CEO is how do you nurture the culture and how do you create this environment that allows the organization together to actually do more than what they could actually do separately? And how do you actually increase the positive things that humans have? Because humans are humans. Uh, and how do you decrease sort of like the negative things about humans? But it's really about this cultivator um, role. And that's hard because... Like most CEOs, I like to make, you know, I like to be in the thick of it. I like to make decisions. Uh, society glorifies those sort of like decisive decision makers. But if you're doing that, what I found, the moments where I've given into those impulses um, has actually done more damage than good. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaS Talk. I'm Irina Jambazova, Head of Content and Comms here in SaaS Talk. Last week, we had an incredible time at SaaS Talk 18 in Dublin. During the conference, alongside three tracks and a startup pitch stage, we also ran a podcast studio together with Intercom. During the two days of the conference, Inside Intercom, Nathan Latka, Growth Everywhere, Built by OpenView, Open SaaS Mic, The Startup Chat, and 14 Minutes of SaaS all recorded interviews with our speakers. They will be releasing them in the following weeks. Be sure to subscribe to each of those podcasts to hear key lessons, tactics, and stories from our speakers. We too recorded a few episodes of the SaaS Revolution show, which we look forward to publishing in the coming weeks, starting with this week, when we're bringing you the conversation with Corey Thomas, CEO of Rapid7. When he joined 10 years ago, the company was just about making 5 million in revenue and employed about 50 people. By the time Corey became the CEO, five years later, the revenue was 40 million. In 2015, the company went public. And this year, it's forecasted to reach 250 million in ARR. When asked how all that came about, Corey says it was a lot of people figuring a lot of complicated stuff nonstop. As the CEO, Corey has a clear plan in place how they're going to reach the next important milestones, such as 500 million in ARR and a billion. But what is the role of the CEO in such scale, concretely? That's what Alex was aiming to find out when he sat down for a conversation with Corey. Listen on to learn how Corey views the role of the CEO. For me, the thing that I wake up every morning focused on is this, uh, it's this dichotomy between an obsessive focus on the long term and then what's the biggest single bottleneck that actually inhibits us in the long term that's not being addressed today? Because the way that I think about my role as CEO is really to actually highlight, focus, put time and attention and solve the biggest bottleneck that's unaddressed today. If there's a bottleneck but someone on the team's addressing it, then I trust and let them address it. But I got to make sure that the things that aren't addressed are really sort of like in focus um, that are there. A key CEO strategy for success? One of the top ones is the obsessive focus on um, alignment. And and when I think about alignment, I think, are we aligned about how we're creating um, value for customers? I think humans, by their very nature, 
are really focused on their on their own observations, on their own beliefs, um, on their own stakeholders. So it's very easy for marketing and sales and products to get in their own swim lanes and just think about, I'm doing this for the customer and they're marching forward. And so I've had to focus obsessively about, one, the customer needs to be front and center and the customer experience needs to be front and center. And then, two, um, really pushing people to break down the barriers and say, this is where the customer is and how are we all playing a role in actually aligning around that customer. One innovation that has really, really helped Rapid7 scale. I would say one of our big innovations is realizing that an inside sales team could actually sell to that wider range. Traditionally, people have thought about an inside sales team as either being a feeder for an outside sales team or focus on low transaction volume. And we built an inside, you know, our team is 90% inside sales. And that inside sales team is a learning organization that actually can sell um, that entire swath um, from sort of like sub $10,000 deals to a million dollar plus deals. Alongside popping at the podcast stage, Corey also sat down for a conversation with David Scott on the scale stage. You can watch that conversation as well as a hundred other sessions we hosted by getting our SaaS Talk on demand pack. Go to live.sastalk.com now. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, we're live at SaaStock 18. Uh, uh, this is the third uh, inaugural SaaStock. Uh, and I'm joined here by uh, Corey Thomas, CEO of Rapid7. Uh, welcome, Corey. Alex, thank you for having me. Great to be here. No, no, it's great for you to... Uh, you obviously, you flew over from the, uh, from the States, right? Yeah, what? absolutely. Got in from Boston yesterday. It's an amazing conference that you all put together, by the way. Excellent. Thanks very much. So, so Corey, um, tell the audience that are, that are listening, uh, first of all, like, who you are. Like, who is Corey Thomas? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. So my kids would give a very different uh, answer. Look, I love the intersection of technology and societal issues. Um, today, I focus on different things over time. Today, I'm focused on cybersecurity because I think cybersecurity is a big societal issue. And I, got to, I get to apply um, both data science uh, and automation and some cool aspects of technology to solve what I think is a big societal problem. And, and you're the CEO of Rapid7? CEO of Rapid7. Uh, I've been at Rapid7 for 10 years. Before okay. that, I was at a small company, Parallels, that you um, know, Microsoft, Deloitte, AT&T. Uh, I studied electrical engineering and computer science as an undergrad, but today I'm the CEO of Rapid7. Did you join Rapid7 as CEO? I did not. I actually joined in an operating role, became COO, and then became CEO roughly a little over five years ago. Okay. And, and then tell us a little bit about, so from that 10-year that journey, uh, like in terms of like the numbers, like how big was Rapid7 then? Yeah. Well, let's, say, let's start maybe from when you were CEO. Like, you know, how big was the company? You know, what was the revenue? Where were, where were you guys at? And then let's, let's look at the trajectory to where yeah, you are now. So, well, when I joined in an operating role, the company was less than 50 people. And the prior, prior year had done a little under $5 million um, in revenue. When I took over CEO, it was right around $40 million. Um, in revenue um, when I became CEO. 
And today, um, most people expect us to finish the year uh, somewhere around $250 million in revenue. Okay, well, very good. Is that, is that the Corey Thomas effect? Uh, <laughs> from 40 to 250. Uh, I would love to say it's the Corey Thomas effect. I would say that it is a lot of people working very hard to actually figure stuff out on a nonstop basis. And, and, and given, the, obviously, the, the, the revenue that you're doing, I mean, it, you're a public company as well, We're right? a public company, yeah. We went public three years ago. Um, it's... It seemed like it was late then, and it's sort of like it wasn't. It was still relatively early. Um, so we went public three years ago, and it's been a fun ride, interesting ride. Uh, and uh, I understand, I mean, uh, and I, I hope actually probably all, all CEOs should feel this, this way, uh, but you're a big believer in the, uh, the role of the CEO and the influence of the CEO like within the company. Uh, how, how have you sort of brought that to bear for, for Rapid7? Well, I'm a big believer that um, CEOs can either be constructive um, or they can actually be a distraction that causes undue stress and actually decreases the productivity. So, you know, there's lots of inclinations. So, one, I think the CEO's role changes over time, and that's been one of the hardest things um, for me. I also think the idea that we actually have a leadership is um, not always conducive to actually um, creating great environments and great cultures. And at the end of the day, I think great cultures are what allow organizations to thrive. So the way that I see the role as a CEO is how do you nurture the culture and how do you create this environment that allows the organization together to actually do more than what they could actually do separately? And how do you actually increase the positive things that humans have? Because humans are humans. Uh, and how do you decrease sort of like the negative things about humans? But it's really about this cultivator um, role. And that's hard because like most CEOs, I like to make, you know, I like to be in the thick of it. I like to make decisions. Uh, society glorifies those sort of like decisive decision makers. But if you're doing that, what I found, the moments where I've given in to those impulses um, has actually done more damage than good. What about, I mean, obviously, uh, you didn't join as a CEO, but you, you, you went from, you know, operation role, COO to, to CEO. So was this your first role as a CEO of uh, It, it of was my first role as a CEO. I mean, again, I'm technical. Uh, I have a technical background, so I had to learn lots of aspects of the go-to-market and even some of the finance, which it's math. I should be yeah. able to do it easily, but it was actually a learning curve. Um, and so it was the first role as the CEO. And so it's, for me, it's been a learning experience. And... I've had to really acclimate myself about what is the thing that I provide value that the rest of the team needs me to provide value on. And so some of the tactical day-to-day decision-making is not my greatest source of value versus nurturing the culture and make sure, you know, it wraps up, we have this culture of we're all explorers that are learning together. Um, and really nurturing that culture has been the primary focus um, of my job when I'm doing it well. What, what are the kind of key like uh, strategies? Uh, you know, if, if you can name a few that that you've implemented or like over the course of the, uh, say since you've been CEO to get from that 40 million in revenue to 250 million revenue that we could perhaps learn from. Yeah, so I would say look one one of the top ones is the obsessive focus on. Um, alignment and you know and, and when I think about alignment I think are we aligned about how we're creating um, value for customers I think humans um, by their very nature um, are really focused on their own sort of um, on their own observations on their own beliefs um, on their own stakeholders so it's very easy for marketing and sales and products to get in their own swim lanes and just think about I'm doing this for the customer and they're marching forward 
And so I've had to focus obsessively about one, the customer needs to be front and center and the customer experience needs to be front and center. And then two, um, really pushing people to break down the barriers and say, this is where the customer is and how are we all playing a role in actually aligning around that customer. So that's the first thing is that sort of like that constant alignment that reorients people towards working with others actually um, really create products and experiences that customers love. Because, again, humans tend to actually, I'm right, the other person's wrong. We have all these sort of like things that sort of just seem endemic there. The other part that I would say is that it's focusing not on the discrete what's happening now, but, you know, one of the larger things that we focus on and that I focus on is how does the organization learn and adapt over time? Um, and frankly, that's coming at a cost of short-term performance. And so, you know, one of the big things is how do you actually constantly make sure that what you're doing today is not just about delivering performance today, but you're getting some learning that's going to allow you to actually do better in the future. And so those are two things. What about um, from, from the sales side? Like, uh, so uh, uh, Rapid7, it, it's an enterprise software product. So are we talking like, what sort of um, annual contract value? Uh, yeah, so uh, from the sales side, um, our current ARR per customer is a little under $30,000 per customer okay. uh, today. It's a wide standard deviation. We have um, many, you know, sort of like million-dollar customers, many, many hundreds of thousands-dollars customers, and lots of $10,000 sort of like uh, ARR per year customers. I would say one of our big innovations is realizing that an inside sales team could actually sell to that wider range. Traditionally, people have thought about an inside sales team as either being a feeder for an outside sales team um, or focus on low transaction volume. And we built an inside, you know, our team is 90% inside sales. And that inside sales team is a learning organization that actually can sell um, that entire swath um, from sort of like sub $10,000 deals to a million dollar plus deals. How, how is the inside sales team or in the sales team in general uh getting leads? Are they going out there, you know, uh, trying to find the leads, source them, or is this coming from, like, the, the marketing funnel? What sort of, like, marketing? It's actually both. And so the um, we have a pretty strong marketing funnel um, that delivers lots of leads. So, you know, we have everything from sort of um, freemium, where people have free software, to trials and evaluations, which provide, of course, some of our highest quality leads. We still have to filter it down. Um, but then we also have a whole set of activities that our marketing and sales teams do together to actually generate it. And then our sales team does some prospecting. You know, as you know, people don't love cold calling. And so really what we try to focus on is how does our marketing and our sales team work together to find ways to engage customers where the customers actually want to be engaged. So now you're like at the end of the year, you're going to be 250 million ARR. Like, what what is the the, the plan for for Rapid Seven to just just continue to grow to get to 500 to get to one billion? Like, yeah, I mean, look, financially, we're looking at what's the um, what's the pace and the velocity that we get to a half a billion dollars in revenue, um, and then a billion dollars. We're already we, we think we have mapped out the way that we get to a half billion dollars in revenue. Um, now we're mapping out how we get to sort of the billion dollars in revenue. And for us, the hardest thing that we're managing right now is not multiple cloud-based products. It's products at different maturity. And so we have to actually optimize for products that have, you know, over $100 million in revenue and still need to grow at 40-plus percent and products that actually are just starting to be sold and a bunch of products in the middle 
Um, and so it's continuing to feed that product pipeline, but do a good job of doing the right job of management and alignment for each set of product and customer experiences as they evolve and deliver an overall customer experience. That's what we're focused on. As we get to kind of the last two questions now, like I, I want to know for you as a CEO, what makes your day-to-day kind of easier? What do you need to kind of like perform like your job to, to its fullest? What do I need from other people? What do I need yeah. from myself? Well, uh, but both. Yeah, so both. So, look, I think for, for me, the thing that I wake up every morning um, focused on is this, uh, it's this dichotomy between an obsessive focus on the long term and then what's the biggest single bottleneck that actually inhibits us in the long term that's not being addressed today? Because the way that I think about my role as CEO is really to actually highlight, focus, put time and attention and solve the biggest bottleneck that's unaddressed today. If there's a bottleneck but someone on the team's addressing it, then I trust and let them address it. But I got to make sure that the things that aren't addressed um, are really sort of like in focus um, th- that are there. And that changes, by the way, every couple of months, th- th- that type of thing. Um, from the team perspective, I would say that the skills and the perspectives and the attitudes that we did, yes, that we leveraged yesterday are quite valuable. But a big part of the job and my job is figuring out what matters today and what do we need in the future and how am I grateful and thankful for the work that people who've contributed yesterday and make sure that they are nourished and growing well, but ensuring we have the relevant skills, attitudes, and perspectives for today. And then I'm out hiring, building, or developing the ones that we need for tomorrow. It's that constant evolution. And I would say that sometimes it's easy to get focused on tomorrow and then you're ungrateful and you're a jerk to people who've contributed hugely to get um, to today. And if you're too focused on yesterday and today, you're not building for tomorrow. And so you got to really be playing around three different um, time spaces at once. And how do you like finally like stay healthy and sane like on this journey? Yeah, so uh, I it's I spend a lot of time outside of work. Um, believe it or not, doing things that actually help with work. But like I'm a huge fan of history, okay. uh, so I like history and reading. I like engage. I like going to like seminars and talks um, about things. I do theater with my family. Uh, I work out a lot. And so while I keep a pretty intense work schedule, uh, I try to keep it under 70 hours a week. Uh, I try to spend time with the family. um, And I try to actually participate in thought communities and physical activities that are outside of the workspace. I don't sleep a lot. It's the only drawback. (laughs) How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Uh, and when I'm doing good, I get six hours a night. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's but okay. I don't always do well yeah, with the travel okay. schedule. Well, Corey Thomas, thanks Thank you so, so much Alex. for coming pleasure. to SAS.18 Thank you and, and for being a guest on the SAS Revolution show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank it's you. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SAS Revolution show and have picked up valuable lessons from Corey Thomas. Next week, we're launching a whole new subset of the show called The Struggle. Here's a little sneak peek. Do you enjoy being a founder? I do. Um, I can't imagine really working a, you know, a desk job. It's fine. I just, you know, I'd rather work 60 hours for me than 35 hours for someone else. Um, I appreciate the freedom. I appreciate the ability to travel a bit. But 
it is definitely not glamorous. I don't know, you know, that's what you see. You see the stories and, you know, read TechCrunch and Hacker News, or you see people who are you know, traveling around the world, talking at conferences, you know, and like the, they, they're the success stories, you know, and it's great. But for most of us, it's, you know, spend a long time to get customer one, grow, and, you know, it's not glamorous. We'll be releasing the struggle once a month right here on the SaaS Revolution show feed starting from next Thursday. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until November 1st, we have a special discount on tickets for SaaS Talk 19. So make sure you grab one before prices increase. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>